0: Well, we'd like to uh, once again welcome you to uh, the second Sunday in our new year. And we have begun a new series of messages that I've entitled, It's Personal. And I believe that this is a way that we are sharing with you the vision of Hope Covenant Church. So if you're new, you've come on a, a good day. Last week, we talked about uh, how that our relationship with God is personal. How he has set his love upon us. How his love and his grace has happened to us. How his amazing love and grace has overwhelmed us. And in the words of Frederick Beekner, the theologian, he's described this kind of love as the furious love of God. Now, when you understand and experience And are embraced by this kind of love. It changes who you are. It changes how you live. And it changes why you obey. You are seized by the power of a great affection. And when you take your relationship with God personally, once again, it changes everything about you. Now... In these weeks, we are taking our Bible very seriously, uh, because one of the two things that we affirm above all of the things, if you want to know about our church, you need to know that there are two hills that we will die on. Now, we'll discuss and argue about a lot of doctrine and theology and stuff like that, but there are two hills we will die on. The first is that the Bible is the Word of God. We believe it, we live it, we love it, we chew it, we obey it, we follow it. The Bible is the Word of God. Last Friday night, um, uh, by the way, 50 of us finished reading through the Bible in a year. I want to congratulate you for doing that. And 25 of us, those who could make it, gathered last Friday at Floridinos to celebrate uh, this thing. And we had a wonderful time. So we believe the Bible is the Word of God. That's a hill that we will die on. If you come to our church and say, you know what, Uh, we love your church, but we just don't believe the Bible, that's okay. I'll point you to some churches that agree with you. But this is the one thing that we will stand on. And the other thing we stand on is this, that every single person, every human being, every person who walks through the door of this church can know and experience a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Everyone. Everyone. And so those are the two hills we die on. Those are the things that are irreplaceable and irreversible for us. Now, again, we can talk, we can argue about doctrine, pre-trib, post-trib. We can argue about baptism, pedo-baptism, adult baptism. We can argue about all those things, but those two things we will die on. So that's not in my notes. That was no extra charge. Okay, that was just that. Okay. So we want to be seized by the power of a great affection. So last week we talked about uh, how that your relationship with God has to be personal. It has to be personal. God doesn't have grandchildren. The fact that your mom and dad love Jesus doesn't mean that you will love Jesus. God wants a personal relationship with you. Now, when we take the Bible seriously, we find another life-altering truth, and it's this. When you take your relationship with God personally, you at the same time also take personally your relationship with God's children, with Christians. And more specifically, with those who you worship with, those who are in your fellowship, those who are in your church. We believe what the Bible says is that God wants us to take our relationship with each other very personally. When you live in community with the bride of Christ, and that's what we are. When you are connected to God's children, that's who we are. When you are Christ's body, that's what we are. It changes everything about the way you live your life. Um, I think I mentioned last week that uh, between the week between Christmas and New Year, Sherry and I spent several days in San Diego. And one of the things we did is we met with a group of people that we have known for many years. These people uh, were part of a small group that we were a part of. When I was a youth pastor at Mount McGill Covenant Church back in the early 70s, this was 72, 73, 74, all of us were young marrieds. We had little children, Some, most of us babies, and we were in a small group together. And we prayed together. We did life together. We watched each other's kids. Uh, we got mad at each other. We uh, lived life together and all of that. And, and here, fast forward now, 35 years from then, And we're getting together, and we still have this heart connection that is unbelievable. Now, why is it that we are still connected to these people? Because we were connected to them in a very real and very profound way back in 1972, 73, and 74. They are still part of us. Now, there are other people that we knew and were part of our church that we were acquainted with that we liked. Obviously, they were friends, but we didn't get connected to them in that way where you're actually doing life together, where you're in a small group together, you're in a ministry together, you're in a Bible study together, where you're face to face with each other and you're sharing and you're confronting and you're loving and you're doing all of those things. That's what I mean when I talk about being connected to the body of Christ. You see, how and when... I get, get connected to the church, is my responsibility. It's your responsibility. The level of involvement in ministry and community is my personal responsibility. It's on me. It's not on my pastor. I, I am responsible. I know we don't see 800 people on a Sunday morning, but we are responsible for 800 people in our community. People that say hope is their church, even if they hardly ever come. So I cannot possibly be connected to 800 different people. So it's not your pastor's responsibility. It's not your teacher's responsibility. It's not your husband or your wife's responsibility. But it's your responsibility to be connected to the body of Christ in a very personal way. In 1997, um, September, I resigned from Roseville Covenant Church because of my gambling addiction. And for three years, we were not a pastor and wife. First time in our lives since 1978 that we weren't a pastor and a wife. And we, I was not allowed to um, be a pastor. I was not allowed to do pastorly things, but I certainly was allowed to just be a Christian. And so here I was, um, just a regular, broken, lonely <laughs> disconnected guy that was me and so sherry and i prayed about it and we wanted to stay connected to the covenant so one church we decided to go to was crossroads community church in in uh, cottage grove which is about 35 miles from where we lived in in plymouth but we uh, the pastor was a good friend of mine we had uh, played racquetball together for 20 years and and we wanted to support phil in his ministry but we also went to uh, Church of the Open Door. Pastor David Johnson, I loved his teaching. And we also went there. So we'd go to Church of the Open Door at 8 o'clock and then get down to Crossroads for the, for the service uh, there, for the second service there. And we did this for three years. Now, I loved Church of the Open Door. Uh, you did too, right, honey? We, we loved it. We loved their teaching. But we didn't get involved. Uh, we were, uh, we'd come in to church on time. Uh, we would give uh, half of our tithe. Uh, we would um, uh, meet the people around us, but we didn't get involved in a small group. We weren't involved in a Bible study. We just went and worshipped, and we loved the worship, and we loved the teaching. And it was good. It was good for us. It was, maybe at that time in my life, I needed to be a little bit anonymous, but that, that was a good thing for us. But Crossroads, uh, we got involved. Uh, we went to a small, We got involved in a small group. Uh, we both taught Bible studies, both Sherry and I, but she taught a women's Bible study. I taught a Sunday school class. Um, we taught a VBS together in summer, something we could never do before. And that was quite a, yeah, well, anyway, that's a whole different thing. But we served together and we taught together and, and we got involved. And, and to this day, many of those people are still our very close and dear friends. But there's not one person from Church of the Open Door that we know. There's not one and we and we worshiped there for 3 years and it was not the church's fault. We just chose to be part of it without getting connected. My point is this, it is your responsibility to be connected to the body of Christ. Nobody else can do that for you. In Romans 12:5 we read these words, since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other and each of us needs all the others. I don't know if you realize that or not, but the Bible is very clear that you need the body of Christ and the body of Christ needs you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to somebody next to you and say, you need me. OK. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and, and now, on, now, now turn to us, another person and say, I need you. Okay, now, we just had dozens of wedding proposals. Uh, yeah, it's a bargain. You come to church, worship and wedding. You know, But today, I would love to share with you why we need each other. Why this connecting relationship in the church of Jesus Christ matters so much and why I take it so personally and why I want you... Not because it's my desire, but because the desire of God's word. I want you to take your relationship with the body of Christ personally as well. So here's you can follow along in your sermon notes why we need each other, why we need each other. The first thing is this. I need others to walk with me. I do. We talk about our Christian walk, don't we? It's a a journey. It's a venture. It's an odyssey. We, we walk with Jesus. That's part of our vision statement. We, we walk with Jesus because it's very personal, our relationship with Him. But, but our walk is never alone. Never alone. You look through the Bible, and even the prophets who were kind of these lone rangers, uh, weren't lone rangers, they were connected to the temple. They were connected to other priests. Everyone was connected. No Lone Ranger Christians. Even Lone Ranger had Tonto. No castaway Christians where we interact with a volleyball named Wilson. We don't do that. No Sherpas where we we live with yaks and meditate on higher beings. We don't do that. We are called to be in community. We are called to be connected. We are called to travel this journey that we call Christianity together with other pilgrims. In other words, I'll say it very personally. I need you. And you need me. There's a Zambian proverb. It says this. When you run alone, you run fast. But when you run together, you run far. Now, in all the interviews that uh, you saw on the news last night about what happened in Tucson, anytime somebody kind of knew this young man. Um, what did they say? He's a loner. Didn't really know him. He was always by himself. And you look at his website stuff and you realize that this kid had really gotten off the rails. But, but he was a loner. He was doing life alone. But life is not a 50-yard dash. It is, it is a marathon. And I want my life to count. I need others. I need you to make that happen. Well, in this three years that I was out of the ministry, uh, September of 1998 was my 50th birthday. And for those of you who have turned 50, and now I've turned 60 as well, uh, you know that that's kind of a traumatic birthday. Uh, You know that even saying the word 50, it doesn't sound uh, young anymore. Uh, Amen. Yeah. Yeah. word of witness from Yvonne. Yeah, I I hear you. Uh, But but there was this sense that I was getting. And and here's the bigger thing for me on my 50th birthday. I I didn't think I mattered anymore. I, I, I believed that I had so ruined my life that I had ruined all influence I'd had on all people in my life. And talk about feeling alone. Sherry sent out this was before email. Sherry sent out uh, hundreds of, of letters to or invitations to people that we've known in the churches that we've served at at uh, Mount McGill Covenant Church, Edgebrook Covenant Church when we were in Chicago and seminary, uh, uh, Lakewood Covenant Church in Denver, Roseville Covenant Church where, where we had just served, all of these different churches and, and said to our friends, would you send a letter of encouragement to Dwayne for his birthday? Okay. None of the sappy stuff about, you know, but just send them a letter of encouragement. And um, I received hundreds of letters. Still have them in a big box. And each one of them basically said this. You know what? Um, in my journey, in my Christian faith, you walked with me. You walked with me. Yeah, I failed miserably. And I really, to this day, feel a deep sense of regret. But, but you walked with me. So write this down in your bulletins. Community is God's answer to loneliness. Community is God's answer to loneliness. When you're walking with somebody and you start getting off the path a little bit, I wonder if that young man had have had some really close friends who say, Whoa, 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 pal, come on, let's get back on the road. We need that. I need someone when I start straying off to say, Whoa, come on, right back here up on the path and when you stumble i need somebody to pick me up <clears throat> and when i'm tired i need somebody to carry me and that's that's what i have seen in our church in our ministry what i have seen grow groups do we have over 100 people that are involved in grow groups those are the people that are connected because they've chosen to be face to face with others and say you know what you matter to me that i matter to you and let's do this journey of life together many of you are in ministry groups Many of you are in Bible studies. All of those things are ways to get connected and to say to each other, I need you to walk with me because I don't want to walk alone. I need you to walk with me on this journey that we call our Christian lives. See, I take my walk with Jesus very personally because that furious love of God is, is, has been set upon me. And, and I take it very personally, but I, but I also take my journey with you brothers and sisters in Christ, Hope Covenant Church, I take my journey with you very personally as well. Sorry, that's the first reason why we need each other. We need each other to walk through life. We also need each other to work together. I need others to work with me. Ephesians 2.10 God made us to do good works which He planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. We need each other to accomplish the work that God has called us to. I know not everybody here has been called to be a pastor like I have been or like Pastor David. Um, I know that, but um, you've been called to be a child of God, to be a Christian. There, there are times in the life of a pastor when you kind of feel alone and like you 're kind of pulling this thing uphill, and well it 's kind of like Moses felt in Exodus seventeen the Israelites were fighting the Amalekites, and God said to Moses, "Hold up your staff on the top of the mountain, and as long as you hold that staff up that the children of Israel will fight bravely and defeat the enemy and, and you know what happ- what happened when he was holding that up? He got tired after several hours, and it started to flag and started to come down and so We know that uh, there was some great ministry that took place because here we have Aaron and her came alongside and they put his arm up and they held his arm up for him. I'll be very honest, and if you talk to Pastor David or Pastor Brian, Pastor Scott, Pastor Barb, if you talk to any of us, we will tell you the same thing that, hey, we we need you. Uh, Our arms flag. We get tired. We need your help. We need you to come beside us to encourage us. We need you to hold our arms up. We need you to work beside us in ministry. We need you to work in the children's ministry, in the youth ministry, on the worship team, and all of the ministries and out, outreaches that we do in our church. We need you. E- Ecclesiastes four nine says it this way. Two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. They get more done by working together. One of the most beautiful pictures of that for me is from a movie that came out about 20 years ago. And that movie was entitled Witness. And I want you to see what it means to work together. Let's take a look at this. i you a uh, Well, it's been a while. No matter, we can always use a good one. Hurry up now. We have a bond to race. and a day to do it. Race hold to him. You're cold. Is better now? Yeah, it's pretty much healed. Good. Then you can go home. Keep on the boat a bit. Keep it still. Keep it still. Be ready for a Yes, sir. Yes, sir. together as a church. Last May, when we did the Be the Church Sunday, and we ministered to 13 different families and organizations in Chandler. When we've done home makeovers. Two years ago, when we did Easter and tumbleweed, and by the way, we're doing Easter and tumbleweed again this year. Every time we've had hundreds of our people working together to make a difference for Jesus. Write this down. Community is God's answer to fatigue. You have in your bulletins a uh, a little uh, folder, a trifold that's called, Are You All In in 2011? I would take it as a, a, a personal uh, request. I would ask you from me personally, if you would take this and really consider this, pray over this, and fill this in in the coming weeks. we'd like you to turn that in by the 30th. But um, we cannot do this thing that we call church as castaway Christians or as lone ranger Christians. Because in Galatians 6.10, it says it this way. Every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. I need people to walk with me. And I need people to work with me. And the next thing is I need others to watch out for me. I need people who will defend me, who will protect me, who will watch my back, who will stand up for me, who will comfort me, who will correct me and keep me on track. The midwinter after Tyler was killed was midwinter of uh, 1987. And, um, excuse me, midwinter of 19, that would have been midwinter of 1990. And uh, I had stayed in my room during midwinter and I hadn't talked to any of my friends. I just stayed in my room and all by myself and was feeling sorry for myself and feeling sad and all of that. And and one evening, one of my friends uh, came and knocked on my door and he came in and he said, Dwayne, we, we love you. Uh, we have stood beside you during this terrible time when you've lost Tyler. We, uh, we've prayed for you. We've tried to do whatever we can, but one thing we haven't done is we haven't we haven't prayed over you and so he literally pulled me off of the bed and and he put his hands on me and he prayed over me we need each other i had another friend who when i was getting involved in gambling and he happened to know that i had gone a few times he said is this a problem for you and of course i lied to him and said no this isn't a problem for me it's just like you know i can go to a casino it's, just, it's no big deal and we need people to look out for us. You know, we, we go away uh, on vacation, right? And we ask somebody to house sit. The reason we ask somebody to house sit is we want somebody to keep watch over our stuff and our lawn and our flowers. and Or we go on a vacation and we take care, have somebody take care of our pets. We give them to Anna to take care of, or someone else comes to the house and takes care of our pets, or, or even even more personally, we go away for a while or a day or an evening or a date and we let somebody take care of our children. But who who's going to take care of your soul? Who's going to watch out for your soul? Somebody watch out for your stuff? Come on, who cares? Certainly you want somebody to watch out for your pet. Of course you want somebody to watch out for your children, but... But who's going to watch out for your soul? Hebrews 13, 17, we read these words. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over you, to watch over your souls. And they are accountable to God. We we need people to watch out for us. We need people to tell us when we have blind spots. We need people that when we get off the path to say, come on, this isn't right. You've got to get back with it. I haven't seen you at church for a while. Come on, this is not right. You're not reading your Bible like you used to. You've got to change that. Come on, I care about you. What are we going to do? We need to keep watch over each other's souls. Who's watching your back? Spiritually, who's watching your back? I mean, this really matters. We, we have a network of mentoring in our church, individuals who meet with other individuals to hold them accountable. and We all need that kind of accountability. The thing that kept me in the darkness when I was gambling so easily is I had no one I was accountable to. No one. I was a senior pastor. I didn't have to answer to anybody. That's why I have built into this ministry, into this church, accountability for me every single day. Who's watching your back spiritually? Who's speaking the truth and love to you? Write this down. Community is God's answer to defeat. Ecclesiastes 4:10 says if one falls one person falls another can reach out and help but people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble I need others to watch out for me so do you Next I need others to weep with me We are not to face crises alone we need each other that's why we need to pray for Grace Covenant in Tucson, because they're ministering to several people that were impacted by that tragedy yesterday. I pray that every single person who was touched by that tragedy has a community of faith around them. People that love them and will cry with them, that will stand with them. When our son's life was in the balance, October... October of 1989, when Tyler's life was in the balance, the waiting room at the hospital there in Lakewood uh, filled up with people from our church and they didn't know what to say. They didn't need to say anything. They just stood around and they prayed and they had one after another. They would come before Sherry and I and just read scripture. Nothing else. They had no comment. They had nothing to say, but, but they were there. They cried with us. They wept with us. They grieved with us. In Swahili, there is a word for grief, and it means literally to sit in tent with. If you grieve with somebody, you sit in their tent. You don't say anything. You just sit there and let them know that you care. Write this down. Community is God's answer to despair. Romans 12.15 says, Be happy with those who are happy. And weep with those who weep. Last Sunday, we had a powerful uh, service, both services. God really moved among us when we talked about this furious love of God. And afterwards, uh, Pastor Scott noticed that um, uh, we had four or five altar team people up here. And after both services, there were people waiting to pray. That's what we envision always. We always envision that you will want to receive more from God after worship and come up and pray with those at the altar team. And there was just a hunger there and a sense of community, a sense of my heart is broken or my heart is in need and I need someone to walk with me. Community is God's answer to despair. There's one last reason we need each other. It's this. I need others to witness with me. Sometimes uh, you feel like, um, you know, you've been in situations where you're kind of leading up a ministry, you're leading up something, and you feel like the general, and you say charge, and you look around and nobody's behind you. You know, <laughs> you're charging all along. I, I feel that way sometimes. I know you do as well. But I, I need others to witness with me. I, I, the world is watching. The world is watching you because you've identified yourself as a child of God. You've identified yourself as the bride of Christ, you've identified yourself as a community of faith. The world is watching you. They, they want to know if your faith is real or if it's fake. I mean, we need to be able to share our faith with others. That's what I'm going to be talking about next Sunday. We need to be ready to share our story like uh, the blind man. He said, I don't know what happened to me, but whereas 30 seconds ago I was blind, now I can see. That's your testimony. You need to be able to share your story. You need to share what happens here on Sundays. You need to share what happens when we go to the Navajo or we minister to a girl at Streetlight and we get involved in human trafficking. You need to to tell people what happens here on Wednesday nights when our, 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 our teenagers meet here and their lives are transformed by people that are helping them. And John 13, 35 says it this way, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's why... Hatred and intolerance is so un-Jesus-like. The world laughs at Christianity when we don't love each other. And the world especially laughs at Christianity when we don't love our enemies. I need you to witness with me to the love of Jesus. Christmas morning, a bunch of our people were here making food for the homeless and They went over and took it to a certain place where the homeless gather and a couple of them were Scott and his son, Ryan, Scott, Pastor Scott and his son, Ryan. And they were driving back from that. Scott mentioned to Ryan that, uh, you know, it's Christmas morning and that place where the homeless gather. That's where Jesus hangs out. (laughs) It's not Santa Claus. He's not going around giving gifts to middle class people that don't need anything. That's that's where Jesus is. So right, right there. We need others to witness with us. How do we bear God's love to the unlovely? How do we bear God's love to the broken? To the hurting? To the marginalized? To the abused? The forsaken? That is our witness to the world. I mean, your love is your witness. And, and hear this. It is very personal. How you treat the body of Christ and how you treat the people outside the body of Christ that are marginalized, those who are diseased with AIDS or divorced or have alternate lifestyles or messy pasts or people who have screwed up or fallen short or disappointed others or abused the system or offended our sensibilities. We love them because Jesus loves them. We show up with them because Jesus shows up with them. The people in Tucson that are broken and hurting, that church in Tucson, Grace Covenant, I guarantee you, they will show up and surround them. And here's why. Because Isaiah 61 says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me and you and you and you and you. The Lord has anointed you to bring good news to the poor. when we embrace the unembraceable, when we love the unlovely, when we give hope to the hopeless, together, together, we bear witness to God's love and to each other, to a lost and broken and dying world. Why do we need each other? Why are we to be connected as the body of Christ? I need I'll make it very personal. I need you to walk with me. I need you to work beside me. I need you to watch my back. I need you to watch out for me. I need you to witness with me. I need you to weep with me. To the glory of God. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Lord.